Folks, it's a Tuesday, and I am so excited about today's show. We have so much to get to. Apparently, I am the star of the new Transparent trailer. We will get to that. Plus, plus, uh, President Obama makes more of an ass of himself than than yesterday. As I say, every new day is like a bright new sunrise of stupidity for President Obama. He's in Paris, and he says more dumb things. And, and a great, fantastic, fabulous story about Leonardo DiCaprio. I can't wait to get to it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. I tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, so I, I, I was originally going to save the, the Leonardo DiCaprio story for later in the show, but I just can't, I can't help myself. It's just too great a story. So Leonardo DiCaprio is the star of this new film called The Revenant. Okay, The Revenant is, is made by, uh, the, the director's name is uh, Alejandro Inaritu. He's the guy who won Best Director last year for Birdman, which was a highly, highly overrated film. Did any of you guys see it? Yeah, it is not a good movie. What did you think? No, you were into it? He, okay, Mathis seems like he likes it. I, I was not into it. I thought that the first, the setup was okay. Um, it, there, there were some cute direct, directorial tricks, um, but, but it doesn't hold together as a film. It's not a, a great movie by any means. Here is, here is the, the preview for Inarito's new film, which stars Leonardo DiCaprio, and then I'll tell you why this is now relevant and in the news. thing to do is track a new course back up online. Then what we gonna do? Sit out there like a bunch of goddamn ducks? You and your half-free son get to walk on out? I'm talking to you. Okay, pause it right there. Alright, so that's it. So that's that's as far as we need to go in this preview. So basically it's it's Leonardo DiCaprio wandering around in the wilderness and trying to survive and, and all of this sort of stuff. And it's going to be man versus nature. And okay, there's one problem in that particular. You can't see if you're not subscribing, which again, folks, this is why you should subscribe. Um, but you can see at the very end there, there is a bear charging at Leonardo DiCaprio through the woods. Well, apparently that scene ends in odd fashion. Okay, this is according to Drudge Report today. The new movie Revenant features a shocking scene of a wild bear raping Leonardo DiCaprio. The explicit moment from Oscar-winning director Alejandro Enarito has caused maximum controversy in early screenings. Some in the audience escaped to the exits when the Wolf of Wall Street met the Grizzly of Yellowstone. <laughs> the story of rural survivalism and revenge reaches a new violent levels for a mainstream film. The bear flips Leo over and thrusts and thrusts during the explicit mauling. He is raped twice in the film by bear. <laughs> he is raped twice in a film by the bear. Okay, so a couple of things are, are worth noting here. Number one... We should never mock bear rape. Okay, we never make light of bear rape. Uh, there's, you know, there's a, a bear rape culture that has now been created, uh, and we need to take it very seriously. I very much look forward to Rolling Stone's expose on bear fraternities, and uh, and all sexual assault victims from bears must be believed, according to Hillary Clinton. So we have to take this extremely seriously. Second, these people in Hollywood will pretty much do anything to get an Oscar. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is so he's so desperate for an Oscar at this point that he's willing to bend over and take it from a bear. I mean, it just gets it's a little bit over the top. And and finally, 
I want to link this in with a story that we did yesterday, mainly because it's hilarious. So yesterday, as you recall, at the very end of the show, I talked about things that I hate. And I talked about this, this idiotic photo shoot that was done by, uh, by Amy Schumer for this, for this calendar. And Annie Leibovitz was the, was the photographer. And Amy Schumer tweeted out this. This was Amy Schumer's tweet. Right, and it's a, it's a picture of her naked and uh, from the from the waist up, and sitting there holding a cup of coffee, looking rather pissed at the world, uh, like an overused prostitute. And she and she tweeted out, "quote Beautiful, gross, strong, thin, fat, pretty, ugly, sexy, disgusting, flawless woman." Thank you, Annie Leibovitz, because women are all of these things, and any woman can be any of these things to any person, even though we actually there is such a thing as actual human sexuality, and some people are more attractive than others, and some people are, are, are less attractive than others. Well, I thought that, for, first of all, worth noting, after I mocked her for this, she blocked me on, on Twitter. So Amy Schumer has now blocked me on Twitter, which just goes to show you that when you're really a, a very empowered, and you feel like a very self-confident, empowered woman, what you do is you pose topless, in order, to, in order to show how confident you are, and then as soon as somebody makes fun of you, you block them. That's really the mark of self-confidence, I think. Um, but uh, I thought that it is, it is just as important to point out that before we label all bears, you know, before we say that all bears are rapists or involved in a rape culture, bears can be perceived in a variety of ways. So here's what I tweeted today about, uh, about the bear. Thank you, Annie Leibovitz. Thank you. For those who can't see, it's exactly Amy Schumer's tweet, except it's a picture of a bear uh, that looks like it's about to uh, dig into Leonardo DiCaprio. So that is, uh, that is the story out of Hollywood and just goes to show you how far they've gone off the beaten track. Like, oh, do they think this is going to make lots of money at the box office? The gap between what the critics want to see. Also, what critic wants to see a bear rape somebody? I mean, uh, as far as I'm aware, I thought that that was just a joke, right? I mean, wasn't there this famous joke about a bear raping a guy in the woods, and that was the big joke? But now it's not even a joke. Now it's a movie. So basically, every knock-knock joke or every crappy joke that you ever heard when you were in third grade or every dirty joke from sixth grade, they're now making into a full-length feature film. So Leonardo DiCaprio showing tremendous bravery and strength by uh, in, in Broke Bear Mountain. It's It's very... It's very exciting. Okay, so I had to get to that story just because it's hilarious. And, and there will be more Hollywood later in the program when we get to the things that I hate segment, which has become quickly the, the fastest, the fastest growing, most popular form of the Ben Shapiro show. Thanks again to, to Lindsay for, for convincing me not to do things that I like because, let's face it, no one wants to hear about things that I like. People just want to hear about things that I despise. So um, speaking of things that I despise, President Obama was in Paris today, uh, and he got on a plane and then he left. Uh, he actually did not use his magical fairy wings to, to take off from Paris, although he has them because he lives in fantasy world, fantasy land. President Obama was in Paris, and while he was in Paris, he was asked about the Planned Parenthood shootings. He did a press conference, and he was asked about the Planned Parenthood shootings. And here is what President Obama said about the Planned Parenthood shootings. Remember, this is in Paris, where two weeks ago, 130 people were shot to death in a theater. Um, with respect to Planned Parenthood, uh, obviously... Uh, my heart goes out to the families of those impacted. Um, I mean, Nancy, I, I, I say this every time we've got a, one of these mass shootings. This just doesn't happen in other countries. Okay, can you pause it right there for one second? This just doesn't happen in other countries. Now let's just look at this for a second. You see the screen, folks? Up in that corner, it says something called Paris. There's a word, it says Paris. And the Chiron says, President Obama holds news conference in Paris. And let's remember, folks, two weeks ago, 130 people were shot to death in a theater in Paris. In January, 12 people were shot to death at Charlie Hebdo in a kosher supermarket in Paris. 
But don't worry, mass shootings never happen anywhere else. They only happen in the United States. Obama lives in this, this fantasy land of his own creation, and it truly is incredible. It's worth pointing out here the reason why the left is constantly focusing in on mass shootings. Right? Why, why are they constantly saying, you know, mass shootings don't happen anywhere else in the world? The reason that they say this is because the only evidence that gun control works at all, gun seizures work at all, is because, quote-unquote, mass shootings, shootings in which there are three or four or five or 10 or 15 people killed, those shootings seem to go down in countries where there is mass gun confiscation. But overall, gun violence doesn't go down. In fact, it goes down faster in the United States, where the gun ownership rate has been rising steadily over the last decade and a half in the United States. Uh, in Australia, they did a mass gun seizure after a massacre in the 90s, and the, and the crime rate basically went up. Uh, it, 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 or if it, if it declined, it didn't decline nearly as, as fast as it did in the United States. But the mass shooting rate went way down. Uh, and the same thing happened in Britain. The mass shooting rate went way down, but the gun violence rate actually rose pretty significantly between 1999 and 2009 after they did a mass handgun ban in 1997. So the reason they always cite mass shootings is because that's selective statistical use, right? They're, they're doing mass shootings as opposed to number of people killed in gun violence, which would be a much better measure. And it would also be a better measure how many people are actually killed in those mass shootings. Because it turns out that, as in Europe, as you've seen in Charlie Hebdo and, and now in that, in, in that Bataclan club, when it comes to mass shootings, more people die in the mass shootings in Europe on average than die in the mass shootings in the United States because in the United States, there are usually a bunch of people with guns who show up and put down the mass shooter. So the left always cherry picks its statistics. That's worth pointing out. Now, President Obama continues, and, and then he gets to his real point, which is that everybody should basically stop making fun of or, or mentioning the evils of Planned Parenthood. Here's the president. You know, we, we are rightly uh, determined to prevent terrorist attacks wherever they occur, uh, whether in the United States or with friends and allies like France. Uh, and we devote enormous resources, and properly so, uh, to rooting out networks and uh, debilitating uh, organizations like ISIL. Okay, I think that it's worth pointing out here. When President Obama makes it, we'll get to the Planned Parenthood stuff in a second. When, when President Obama makes the comparison between the Paris terrorist attacks and the Planned Parenthood shootings, what he's really doing is he's minimizing what happened in Paris. Because what happened in, in Colorado was a guy who was plainly a nut by every available metric. The guy actually has a mental issue. Okay, this is not just he's a nut because we disagree, he's an actual nut. This guy actually has crazy. Uh, he, he's, he's a person with, with a serious mental disability. I mean, this guy has a problem. And comparing that to an organized terror attack in Paris is a way of downplaying what happened in Paris and pretending that it wasn't organized. It had nothing to do with ideology. It had nothing to do with philosophy. It's all just the same. Terror is terror is terror. When Bush said we were fighting a war on terror, everybody knew that that was code for Islamic terror. When Obama says we're fighting a war on terror, what he really means is that terrorism, Islamic terrorism doesn't exist. Terrorism is just a tactic. He actually take seriously the idiotic distinction that President Bush, that President Bush originally pushed and, uh, and never even took seriously himself. President Obama went on to defend Planned Parenthood, and this is the real point. The left is now using the Planned Parenthood shooting attack uh, as an excuse for saying that no one should ever talk about pro-life things ever, ever, ever again. And we're going to see a whole slew of Democrats say this in a row. Here's President Obama saying we need to stop demonizing Planned Parenthood in the wake of the Planned Parenthood shootings. And, and with respect to Planned Parenthood, uh, I think it's, uh, it's clear, I've said it before, they provide health services to women all across the country, have 
for generations. In many cases, it's the only organization that provides health services to impoverished women. And I think it's fair to have a legitimate, honest debate about abortion. Uh, I don't think that's something that uh, is beyond the pale of our political discussion. That's a serious, legitimate issue. How we talk about it, making sure that we're talking about it factually, accurately, uh, and not demonizing uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood, I think is important. Okay, you don't have to demonize Planned Parenthood because they are basically moral demons. Okay, people who abort 300,000 children a year, I don't have to demonize them. They kill 300,000 unborn children a year. Okay, end of story. There's no necessity. I don't have to demonize them. We, we showed the video yesterday. We don't have to show it again. We showed video yesterday of them picking through baby body parts. Okay, this is what they do. That's not demonization. That's a, that's a factual representation of what they do. But this is the common pattern you're going to hear now is that a nut, and this is the thing about the left that really is so frustrating. Anytime there is an outlier, they use it as an example of, of a rule that doesn't exist. And this is a, I heard Drew's show yesterday, Andrew Clavin's show yesterday, and, and Drew has a basic rule, which I think is correct, that for the left media, when there's an outlier that proves their narrative, it becomes part of a broader, uh, part of a broader trend. But when there is, an out, when there is a, a situation that, that disproves their narrative, then it becomes an outlier. And that's, that's essentially what they're doing here. You have a guy who shot up a Planned Parenthood, and he didn't even kill anybody at the Planned Parenthood. He killed all of the cops who were defending the, the people at the Planned Parenthood from him. Uh, and, and suddenly, we all have to shut up about pro-life. We just have to shut up about it. We have to stop demonizing the other. Wendy Davis, who has, who has spent just uh, an enormous amount of time demonizing everyone who is pro-life. I mean, this is the lady who, who was famously termed abortion Barbie, Barbie by Eric Erickson because she got up there in her pink jumpsuit and, and her, pink, or her pantsuit, uh, skirt suit, and, and her pink shoes, and she stood there for 13 hours and jabbered about late-term abortion and why it's so vital. Wendy Davis said yesterday that it's, it's dangerous for GOP candidates even to talk about Planned Parenthood. We must never talk about Planned Parenthood again. After all, they're just healthcare providers. And when President Obama, by the way, says that poor people, this is the only healthcare that they have, that's just a lie. Okay, there's something we have in this country. It's called Medicaid. Okay, the, everybody who's poor is on it, basically. And we also have rules in this country that if you walk into an emergency room, it is against the law for the emergency room to refuse you service. So the idea that you know, Planned Parenthood is the only place that poor women are going is just not true. Here's Wendy Davis doing the same routine, however, which is stop demonizing Planned Parenthood. Stop it. Somebody tried to shoot them up. Stop demonizing Planned Parenthood. But we do know that when he was taken into custody, he talked about dead baby parts. This is part, obviously, of a political rhetoric, a very dangerous political rhetoric that we've been hearing from most candidates on the Republican presidential primary side. And I think it is fueling this kind of behavior that we saw in this individual last week. Okay, so basically the nut has it. As soon as the nut does something, stop talking about dead baby parts. Well, I'm not going to stop talking about it if it's true. And it's not just dead baby parts, it's murdered baby parts. I mean, they, they're not, they're not grabbing, they're not corpse, they're, they're not grave robbing. I mean, they're actually creating the corpses that they then dissect and use for research. I mean, this is not, again, when you say that it's dangerous to talk about facts, this is how you end up in fascist land, okay? Fascist land is where it's so dangerous to talk about the facts, we stop you from doing it. Cecile Richards is the head of Planned Parenthood. She said the same thing. She said that you're, you're demonizing women when you talk about them killing their unborn children. That's demonizing women. Again, I don't have to demonize anybody, okay? It's not, it, I, I, can, I can simply say this. A woman murdering her own child in her womb is a bad thing. Okay, it's an evil thing. 
It is an evil thing to murder your own child in the womb. Okay, you don't get to snuff out human life outside the womb. You don't get to do it inside the womb. And just because it's in your uterus doesn't mean that you magically have control over another human being. Okay, this is it, and and that is not demonizing. That is just fact. But again, for the left, anything the right says is always demonizing. It's always demonizing. So here's Cecile Richards of Planned Parenthood saying exactly that. And I do think it's time for people in this country elected officials, leaders, people who want to be president of the United States to really think carefully about the way they talk about health care providers in this country, the way they demonize women and the decisions they make about their pregnancies. Um, I think it's time for everyone to take stock of that because I do believe words have consequences. Yeah, I agree words have consequences. I also think that there are consequences to talking about the killing of the unborn as health care provision. For example, I think that there's there's an actual consequence to that, which is that Americans don't understand what it is that people like Cecile Richards do. Okay, when Cecile Richards and her doctors say they're healthcare providers, no, you're not going in there for your normal checkup. Okay, you're going in there as a typical matter for an abortion. And when they say that three percent of the services that they they provide are for abortions, that that's that's a lie because that's the equivalent. If you go in there and they give you a condom and an abortion, they say fifty percent of the services that we just provided you are abortion services. Okay, ninety-seven percent of their budget goes toward abortion. Okay, the the vast 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 majority of their budget goes towards abortion. So. But the real agenda here, of course, is to shut down debate. Senator Harry Reid, the Senate Minority Leader, he said today that Republicans have to stop creating a frenzy of hate and anger that contributed to the shooting in Colorado. And naturally, he said, we have to stop investigating Planned Parenthood. We have to, we have to stop investigating them. He said, it's proven disastrous to our country. We have a responsibility as leaders to think very hard about what we say and do. And Senator Barbara Boxer, the stupidest woman in the history of American politics, said we should not and cannot continue this politically motivated committee targeting Planned Parenthood, which is already costing taxpayers and helping to create a dangerous climate for legal health care in America. Okay, what's hilarious about the cost of taxpayers is they're saying it costs a couple million bucks to do these investigations. We're, we're sending hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood, right? If the investigation comes to the conclusion it should, which is that Planned Parenthood has involved itself in apparent and alleged criminal activity, if that's where they end up, then we'll save ourselves several hundred million dollars. We should save ourselves that money anyway, just as a political matter. But this is, again, how the left shuts down all debate, and it really is quite gross. Ted Cruz has it exactly right. Uh, Ted Cruz, who is gaining in the polls right now, he's doing much better. Ben Carson has been falling. Ted Cruz has been picking up his support. Ted Cruz said that basically what the media did with Planned Parenthood was turn it into a pro-abortion, the shooting, they turned it into pro-abortion propaganda. Here's the senator from Texas. I think the media just like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, are trying to politicize this tragic shooting. This man was, was a deranged, homicidal killer. And you and I are both unapologetically pro-life, and that means defending every human life, including the unborn, but also including the police officer and the civilians who lost their lives. And, and this murder was fundamentally wrong, and the efforts of the media to transform it into their pro-abortion propaganda uh, is, is as transparent as it is despicable. That, of course, is exactly right on the money from Senator Cruz, and that's why he's gaining in the polls, because that is exactly right. That is exactly right. So, you know, Planned Parenthood did benefit from organ harvesting. They do abort babies, and talking about it does not become something that goes by the wayside. This, this whole logic is so absurd on every level. You take, for example, let's go all the way back in history. Go back to John Brown. Hey, people don't remember who John Brown was. John Brown was, a, was an abolitionist, and he was an abolitionist terrorist, right? He was a, he, John Brown was a guy who fought in bloody Kansas. He was at the, before the Civil War, 
there was an attempt to, to determine whether Kansas was going to vote itself a slave state or a free state. They had the ability to vote themselves as a slave state or a free state. So what happened is that the abolitionists rushed to Kansas in order to, in order to populate the state for this vote as to whether the Kansas territory was going to become a free state or a slave state. So John, John Brown and all of his sons, he had a bunch of sons, they went over to Kansas and they got involved in what was called Bleeding Kansas. And Bleeding Kansas was basically there was outright battle in the streets between Southerners and Northerners. It was kind of a mini civil war over what Kansas was going to be. Well, after that happened, John Brown set up basically an abolitionist little, little farmstead in New York State. And he hosted freed slaves and escaped slaves there. He was a real abolitionist. And in 1859, John Brown goes down to Harper's Ferry, Virginia, with a bunch of his sons, as well as some, some former slaves, escaped slaves, including one escaped slave who was going back down to look for his wife. And they go into Harper's Ferry, Virginia, and they proceed to go house to house to all the slave owners and, and shoot the slave owners, like kill slave owners, try to take some of them prisoner. And eventually they're cornered in Harper's Ferry in a, in a munitions factory, in, in an arms factory. And one by one, he sends his sons out to try and escape, and one by one, they're shot down, and pretty much everybody is killed, except for, except for John Brown, who is captured. He's captured, and he, there, there are a bunch of people who are killed in this whole, in this whole routine. And ironically, the, the Union general who is there to shut this whole thing down is Robert E. Lee, right? Robert E. Lee, who eventually becomes the Confederate general in, in charge, he is there on behalf of the Union, shutting down John Brown. Well, John Brown at the time was a major controversy, and it happened right in the middle of the 1860 election, right? That, that election was already underway. And so all of the Republican candidates who are abolitionists said, John Brown doesn't represent us. John Brown is, uh, is a kook. John Brown is a nut. He went too far. Nobody is saying that you should go around murdering slave owners, right? All of this is bad. You just shouldn't do it. And what eventually happened is that the South was so upset by John Brown that they figured the abolitionists were all on John Brown's side really secretly, and they proceeded to secede. John Brown's actions actually precipitated secession because they figured the Republicans were lying. If Abraham Lincoln gets into power, he's going to do the same things John Brown wanted to do. We're leaving, and they end up seceding as soon as Abraham Lincoln is elected, in large part because of John Brown. Now, what's interesting is how the image of John Brown ends up changing because of the secession of the South. He goes from somebody who's universally perceived as a terrorist to somebody who's now perceived by people like Frederick Douglass as a hero. Frederick Douglass said, you know, I only had the courage to spend my life fighting slavery. He had the courage to lay down his life fighting slavery. You have people like Henry David Thoreau who are big fans of John Brown. In fact, the troops, you know, everyone knows the battle hymn of the Republic, right? The, um, you know, the, if you don't, the battle hymn of the Republic. And the original lyrics to the Battle Hymn of the Republic were, the, the song was called John Brown's Body, right? And the, and the whole song, people would go marching into battle talking about John Brown's body because he was hanged. He was captured and he was hanged. And the point of the story that I'm telling you right now is not that John Brown was a good guy, but that we, are, we in American politics now know in the United States that vigilantism, right, that this sort of activity, even if this guy happens to be a complete nut, but even if he'd been driven by actual anti-abortion feelings. He was an ardent anti-abortion guy and he went and he killed an abortion doctor. We in the United States know that this is a bad thing, that you don't kill people. We have a democratic process and we're working on, on correcting all of this. But what's amazing for the left is that the left would actually make the argument. They would make the argument using the same logic that they've been using. Right? They would make the argument that because John Brown did something quite terrible by going and killing a bunch of slaveholders, slave owners, because John Brown did that, abolitionists should shut up. Right? Abolitionists, abolitionism, abolitionism is bad because if you listen to abolitionist rhetoric, they talk about how slave owners are cruel. I mean, if you read Uncle Tom's Cabin, Simon Legree is a cruel guy, right? If you, if you, if you 
look at any of the rhetoric from the abolitionists, they talked about how the slave owners were doing great evil. They were doing great harm in violation of God's law. And so presumably the same people saying all the pro-life people should shut up today would have said to all the abolitionists then, shut up, John Brown just did something bad, that means you all have to be quiet now. And, and the, the moral and logical bankruptcy of this argument is absolutely clear. Okay, so we're going to do a particularly long segment of things that I hate now. Um, because this is, this is really worthy of, of things that I hate. Hollywood, let me start off. I always make a brief reference to something that I like so you know that I don't hate everything that it's possible to hate in the world. Uh, something that I like. When I was growing up, my dad was a big fan of the series of novels called the Chip Hilton books. They were written by a guy named Claire B. Claire B. Uh, was, I believe, the basketball coach at City University of New York. And for young boys growing up, there's a great series, like 21 books. And it's all about just being a class act and acting with sportsmanship. If you can find the original version, they brought it out again, but they, but they kind of, it was bought by a Christian company. The, the titles were bought by a Christian company, and so they layered a lot of Christianity into it, which is fine, but it, it's not necessary. I read them when it, didn't, when it didn't have them. Either way, I'm sure it's fine. For me, I prefer the original because that's the original. I like original writing, uh, and, uh, and it really is great. So if you're looking for, you have a, a seven, eight-year-old boy, and you're looking for, for him to kind of grow up with a sturdy sense of, of morality, the Chip Hilton series is, is great. Okay, now, two things that I hate. All right, so Hollywood is now pushing as hard as they possibly can transgenderism. I mean, they are pushing it up the wazoo. It is not going to stop. Uh, the, 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 new, the new version of, of transgenderism that they're pushing is at the Oscars. So Hollywood, there, there are a couple of trailers that we need to watch here. Uh, Hollywood pushing transgender notions, the notion that men are women and women are men, and it's all just a bunch of random uh, assignments by society, that, that gender is a complete social construct, and all sorts of stupid BS like this. The, the one that's getting all the acclaim right now is a movie called The Danish Girl. The Danish Girl is based on a novel that came out in 2000, and it's about this, this Danish guy, a Danish dude, right, who is married, and his wife is an artist. And one day she decides that she is going to photograph somebody, and she needs somebody to be photographed wearing ladies' stockings. And so she goes to her husband, and she's like, well, you put on the ladies' stockings, and I'm going to photograph you, which is weird enough that he's like, yeah, sounds awesome. So he puts on the ladies' stockings in real life, and he decides that this just tickles his fancy, and this leads to him eventually realizing that on the inside, he is a woman. Now, in real life, this thing doesn't end well, right? In real life, what happens, this guy gets a couple of sex change surgeries, uh, and at the age, at the, at the ripe old age of 32, he has his final sex change surgery to excise his willy and to give himself uh, of a hoo-hoo, and once all this happens, he promptly dies three months later, presumably from infection or trauma from the surgery. Um, but none of that, I mean, I don't know if that's in the movie because I haven't seen the movie yet, but Hollywood is glorifying all of this, just showing you that when it comes to men and women, men and women are absolutely the same. Transgenderism is a virtue. It's not just something that, that exists out there. It's not just a mental disorder, which it is. It's called gender dysphoria. It's not just a mental disorder. It's, it's actually a virtue, and these are people who are standing up to the grave injustices done by society in forcing you to pick a box, male or female. Here is a preview of The Danish Girl. The first time we met, she propositioned me. She seemed so sure. I was sure. It was so shy and mysterious. Is there something you'd like to tell me? Is there something you'd like to know? I'm your wife. I know everything. Could you help me with something? You will not tell anyone about this. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> We're going to call you Lily. <laughs> <laughs>
I want to sketch you. Lily. We should go out tonight. Give them something different. Lily. You're exquisite. You're different from most girls. I feel I'd need to ask your oh, yeah. permission before I kissed you. There was a moment when I wasn't me. There was a moment when I was just Lily. But Lily does. Okay, this looks terrible. Um, so I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to never seeing this film. Um, and this and here here's the thing about all of this. First of all, even from this preview, you can see that basically his wife is preying on his mental disorder, right? I mean, just from the preview, you can see that his wife is doing that, right? He's he's falling in love with this, and she's like, yeah, let's go out as girlfriends. This is just a fun thing to do. Okay, now no normal guy, no no normally ordered mental mentally stable guy is says to his wife, "Yeah, you know that sounds like a great idea. Let's go out, you and me as girlfriends." Right? It just doesn't happen that way because it turns out, and, and again, folks, it's something called science. Okay, Eddie Redmayne is a dude. There's actually a lot of there, there's a, there's a fair bit of of evidence uh, that the that the guy who is who's being profiled here, the one who ended up getting a gender transition, that he was actually intersex, that that he was actually born with with genetics of a female as well as a male. So he wasn't even like a re he wasn't like Bruce Jenner, like born male and then pretends to be female, was actually intersex. But in any case, this is Hollywood pushing the notion that gender is entirely fluid and variable. It's all about self-definition and everybody is just, you can flip it back and forth. Hollywood has taken this even further in another movie called Tangerine. Tangerine is this movie that was shot for no budget at all on iPhones and it features two transgender women, which is to say dudes pretending to be women. And now the Academy is saying that transgender women will now be nominated in the best actress and the best supporting actress category. So here we go. Tangerine. Hey, Alexandra, come here. Listen, have you seen Cindy? Cinderella. Looks like someone has a crush. Cindy's back on the block? Oh yeah, she's back. She's back and she's going hard. Merry Christmas, brawl. <laughs> I got some good news to tell you about me and Chester. I know what it is. You're breaking up with him. Thank God. I'm gonna be cheating on you like that. Wait, 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 what? You, you didn't know? Mm. Okay, so we can pause it there because I can't take any more of this. This is the Citizen Kane of iPhone shot transgender movies. And, and of course, this means, that, I mean, this is hitting every checkbox it's possible to hit in the minority checklist, right? So you've got a black transgender woman. <laughs> this, is a bit, this is like Hollywood's wet dream here. Uh, so, so here's Hollywood, you know, making all of these films and rewarding themselves for these films, which no one will ever see. Okay, no one is going to see this stuff outside of, apparently, the entire crowd for the Danish girl, because it's out already. Apparently, the entire crowd for the Danish girl is women above the age of 50. Like, that's the entire crowd, which makes perfect sense, because no dude wants to see that movie. No couple wants to see that movie. A bunch of sad single ladies who are above the age of 50 want to see that movie to assure themselves that it really is just that, that romance is romance and it can happen to anybody, including a dude who thinks he's a lady. To, to put the final capper on it, okay, here is the preview for this, this widely heralded show from Amazon called Transparent. Okay, this is, if you've seen any of the advertising around Los Angeles, it's actually pretty insulting, a lot of the advertising, because naturally they have to tie in Judaism to transgenderism for some odd reason. So they put up billboards saying like, would your rabbi approve? And, and, and the answer is not if you have a real rabbi, he wouldn't. But in any case, Transparent has this preview out. And I wasn't even aware of this until we pulled the preview, but apparently I, I play a starring role. I'm the photographer in this, in this particular preview, as you will see. Peppermints. Party 
Come on, if you've got kids, please, I ask you to keep an eye on them. What is he saying? He says, chin up a little bit. But you look beautiful. Oh, that's good. Just a little bit down. Reggie, I want my head up or you want my head down? I think chin up for you, sir. Uh, that's a head. I'm sorry. Ch chin up. Miss? Chin up. Did he call me, sir? Yes. Just. Okay, okay. we're done. We're done. Okay. You're done. All right. We're done. Let's go. We're done. We're done. So, uh, so that, that actually happened to me in real life, <laughs> except it ended with a violent confrontation initiated by the transgender woman who is actually a very butch dude. Um, but in any case, the, what, what's, what's amazing about all of this is why is Hollywood all on the same page? Why is the left all on the same page over this thing? I mean, you really have to ask yourself, why is this? What is this sudden quest to, to, to just get rid of all gender? Right? And the answer is the left has to have constant change. They have to have constant change. And in their quest for equality, there can never be an end point until we are all genderless, faceless widgets. Right? In order for the left to achieve its goal of, of outcome equality for everyone, there can't be any distinctions between anyone. All distinctions must be created by this evil capitalist system. And so we have to do away with the evil capitalist system as well as all of these various distinctions that are all arbitrary and made up. Right? So it's just arbitrary and made up. The Danish girl could be a Danish boy, could be a Danish girl, could be a Dan it doesn't matter. Right, intransparent, and if and if you and if you say to somebody that subjectively speaking, you may think that you're a woman, but you're actually a man, or about Amy Schumer, you may think subjectively you're beautiful, but people don't necessarily think so. Then you're the pro you're the bad guy. You're the problem because you have now retreated to the realm of objectivity, and objectivity means distinctions. Objectivity, the idea of a real reality that exists out there that you and I can both look at. We can both look at the sky and see that it's blue. This creates distinctions because if the sky is blue, that means that it's not green, right? And if, I, and if that man is a man and not a woman, that means that he's a man and not a woman, and that means that he may have different qualities from a woman. And now it's infected the scientific community. There's an article out today that's just incredible. There's a study supposedly suggesting, it's from the University of Bern in Switzerland, saying that you can't categorize human brains as male or female. Why? Because it turns out that there are a bunch of different measures of the human brain, and there's variation between these measures, between men and women, and some men cross over into female areas on certain aspects, but there are some females that cross over to male aspects on other areas. There's only one problem. There's only one problem. The study itself acknowledges, acknowledges that if you looked, just you, you had two bodies in front of you, and all you had was just the top of their skull. You didn't have anything else. You had the two brains. If you looked at the male brain and you looked at the female brain, you could immediately tell whether it's a male brain or a female brain. In other words, they recognize that there are differences between men and women, but what they say is there are such variations within men and within women, and there's some crossover in certain aspects, that means men and women no longer exist. The left uses, they, 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 the left has never heard of this idea that, the, that, the, that the, the outlier proves the rule, right? That the, that the, that the thing, that the, that, that the rarity proves the rule, right? If there's, a, if there's a guy who acts more like a woman, that doesn't prove there's no such thing as man and woman. It proves there is man and woman, and this guy is an outlier. They've never, they've never heard of this. The exception, thank you. The exception proves the rule. They've never heard of this. Instead, the exception proves there are no rules, right? This is why the left can't take basic argument. Anytime you say, some, anytime you say anything that has to do with general statistics, they immediately come back at you with a, with a specific example of a person they know who's not like that. Right, so when you say that crime rates are higher in the black community than they are in the white community, the left will immediately come back and they will say, but I know a black guy and he's not violent. 
which is, of course, not the point. Of course, there are lots of black people who are not violent and not engaged in violent crime. Of course, there are lots of, of course, there are lots of people out there who don't conform to normal gender stereotypes. That doesn't mean that the stereotypes aren't rooted in biology. The outlier, the exception, doesn't mean that there is no rule, but because the goal of the left is to destroy all rules, because the goal of the left is to ensure that rules go away completely so that every single human being is part of the same broad class of human beings, we're all just, we're all just widgets with a cookie cutter. The, what's so amazing about the left, really, is that they, they insist that they want to create a, a panoply of human activity. They, wanna, they want us all to be ourselves. In the end, they don't. In the end, they all want us to be the same. And if we are different, and if we do have different activities, they're all supposed to be regarded the same. So all standards have to be, have to be done away with, and, and sex is just one of those standards. And we're just going to do away with all of it, and we'll have a more beautiful world. The only problem is people actually pay the price. Because the reality is, no matter how much you preach to a transgender man that he is a woman, no matter how much you preach to a transgender woman that, that she, in fact, is a man, the suicide rates will stay the same. Because reality is reality, and biology is biology, and mental disorder is a mental disorder. Okay, and that's true for ISIS. And that's true for, for crazy people who shoot up Planned Parenthood. There is such a thing as objective reality, and you just pretending that it doesn't exist doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. In fact, it means that more people end up suffering and paying a particularly high price because you insist on your, dis, uh, on your obliteration of rules that humanity created over thousands of years to protect us from the realities of life. And it's, it, it, it's, it's sad more than anything else. This is why I hate it that Hollywood is pushing an agenda that they're never gonna have to suffer. Hollywood is a bunch of rich people who are living in these, in these privileged estates talking about things with which they have no relation. Eddie Redmayne is a dude and he's not a transgender woman. Eddie Redmayne is never gonna have to deal, presumably, with suicidality. So it's easy for him to play a guy who transitions to a woman and then dies at age 30. It's easy for, for who's that, Jeffrey Tambor? To play, a, to play a 60-year-old transgender woman. Right? It's easy for him to do that and then go home at night to his wife and kids, presumably, and never have to deal with the fallout of all these people who are now confused about their sexuality and confused about how they think about their lives. It's easy for them to push these standards. But the reality is there are people who pay the price for this, and the people who pay the price almost invariably are exactly the people the left thinks it's protecting by doing away with the standards that protected them in the first place. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 